Hi, good day everyone. Welcome back to Secrets of the Cell. My name is Nadine Morency Moss, your host, and today I am super elated to have sitting here with me, Marilyn Booker. Marilyn is a veteran of 24 years. She is the head of a major financial institution's urban markets group. She founded this group and the financial firm is in New York City as well as LA. She runs a traditional wealth management business, but she also focuses, which I love, on the urban community teaching financial education programs across the entire country. Prior to the Urban Markets Group, she was the head of diversity, work-life, EEO, and the human resources policy for another financial institution. She is also an attorney and she has practiced criminal defense, litigation, municipal finance, corporate bankruptcies, and corporate restructuring. She is also holds several designations, her Series 7, 9, 10, and 66 licenses. She has a host of degrees, which she graduated magna cum laude, and Marilyn is a breath of fresh air because she has a wealth of knowledge, but yet she is very down-to-earth and such an amazing person. Thank you so much, Marilyn, for being here. You're awesome. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Thank you. So, as the head of the urban markets at a major financial institution, uh, you established this division. What was the overreaching goal you wanted to accomplish when creating this department? Great. I think that's a great starting point because yes. uh, when when I talk about urban markets, I'm talking about a large part of that practice being focusing on minorities. And in our community, there is a historical lack yes. of information and knowledge about saving and investing. Uh, black households save far less than white households. And when you look at our households, over 50% of black households are either unbanked or underbanked, mm. which means they have either no relationships with financial institutions or they have inadequate relationships with financial institutions. Right. So I see it as a personal mission to do something about that because there is no aspect of our lives where money's not a factor. Right. Even when you go to church, right. uh, you got the building fund, That's you got right. the usher fund, you got the <laughs> Sunday picnic fund, you got That's everything. Right. Money is in everything that we do. Yes. So, you know, when I teach about money and I spend a lot of time teaching financial education in the inner city urban communities with, uh, with nonprofits, I always start by saying it's not about how much you make. Right. It's about what you do with what you make. That's right. That's because right. if you make over a million dollars and you're spending over a million dollars, you are broke. Yes. So it's about making wise decisions and knowledge is power. Right. And the only way that people can make substantive changes in the way they live, the way they do things is about having the knowledge. So that's what I look to do. And that was one of the important things about working in the urban markets, not just to manage money, but to teach people right. about making wise decisions. Right. I love that. Uh, so speaking of teaching, I remember you and Misa collaborated on a, uh, you hosted a financial literacy mm -hmm. seminar mm -hmm. geared towards women entrepreneurs last year. Right. As the fastest growing small business sector, women owned businesses are the fastest. And what have you noticed about this demographic when it comes to money? You know, it's interesting because um, several people have asked me that yeah. question. And there are a lot of studies yeah. that say that women and men handle money differently. They make different decisions. But my experience has not been that. Uh, I mean, 
it's been when people are in in businesses. Yes, uh, I've not seen women approach it any differently from a financial perspective than men have approached it. Interesting. What I've noticed with respect to women in finance is that if they are uh, in a marriage or a relationship, yeah. they tend to be less involved in the finances, and they tend not to know what's going on. So one of the things that I always, uh, you know, push is that, you know, if you are in a relationship, yeah. you need to be equal partners, and you need to know what's going on. If decisions are being made, you need to be a part of that decision-making process. You need to have a voice. Yes. You need to have an opinion. Yes. But when I have dealt with women who are single and doing things on their own, I haven't noticed any substantial differences in terms of how they approach their business and their money uh, as opposed to men. And that's just me. But okay. again, there are all these studies that right. say differently, right. but that's just based on my experience. And I think that's a good thing because I've seen women taking charge yes. and that's good. I mean, I've been fortunate to work with women who are, you know, very focused on making sure they make the right decisions right. to sustain their business because we know that the failure rate of businesses right. is pretty high right. and depending upon the sector you're in, it goes even higher. Right. So you have to be very focused on, you know, how do you manage it? And quite frankly, managing a business budget, uh, from my perspective, is not that much different than managing your personal budget. Right. Exactly. So if you're doing the right things personally, the chances are you can do the right things in your business as well. Agree. Agree with that. So please share the time value of the money concept and why is it imperative to start saving, utilizing growth tools as early as possible. One of the um, the demographics I love working with is children. Uh, and I spend it, I don't go below sixth grade because the attention <laughs> span's a bit interesting <laughs> at that point. Uh, but, you know, I like working with, right. you know, middle school kids, right. uh, you know, high school kids, college kids. And one of the things that I tell them is that the most valuable asset that they have is time. Right. And time is your friend because with this mm. valuable mm. thing called time, That's right. uh, you have an opportunity for your money to grow and to work for you. Right. Uh, because it is a wonderful thing we know called compound interest. And everybody knows what compound interest right. is. It's about earning money on your money on your money. Mm. And Albert Einstein once said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Oh, okay. You know, those who understand it mm -hmm. earn it. And those who don't pay it. That's right. And how do you pay it? You pay it through credit cards, all that interest and all things like that. So it's very important that you start early and let your money grow and work for you. And I have a right. couple examples that yes. I would love to share with yes, you please, please. Uh, that I use when I'm teaching because, you know, I tell people, look, if you had a $10,000 investment right. and that's all you had, and you did a lump sum investment of $10,000 and you leave it there, you don't touch it. And let's assume that you're earning interest around 8%. Right. In 30 years, you'd have over $100,000 just on that one $10,000 investment. In mm. 50 years, you would have almost $500,000. So imagine starting young wow. in your 20s, you know, and you take this $10,000 and you put it away. But imagine if you could do more than 10. If you could do 20, if you could do 30, you could do right. 40. Right. And imagine if you get a higher interest rate, you get much more. Uh, and when I talk to kids, you know, I tell them, oh, you know, we don't have that much money. We don't have that much money. I say, look, it doesn't matter if you have small amounts. If you're able to put away something like $15, $15 a week or $35 a week, right. you know, within 10 years, 15 years, you'd have almost $23,000. So, again, it's about putting the small amounts away and letting the money work for you. That's right. Okay, and that's really the value of time. Right. And, you know, you can look at two people. You can have one person who will invest mm -hmm. money and say, you know what? I don't want to start investing yet because I'm not making enough money. I want to wait a while. <laughs> so they'll wait until, I don't know, they're, you know, 25, 35, 40 years old. You have somebody else who starts earlier. The person who starts earlier and invests less mm -hmm. money 
over time yes. ends up with more money at the end of the game. That's right. As opposed to the person who starts later and invests more. That's right. Because again, this mm. wonderful thing called compound interest. Amazing points. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I just want to emphasize too is that, you know, one of the things that I always tell people because, you know, the markets have been pretty interesting. I mean, they're doing yeah. great now, yes. but, you know, they've been kind of up and down and people are sometimes afraid. I mean, the current generation, they kind of, you know, grew up in, you know, the, the craziness of, you know, the 08s, 09s right. and things like that. Right. And they're nervous and they're scared, scared to invest. Mm-hmm. And what I say to people is, like, look, uh, you at least have to do something with your money where you are at least investing it where you're keeping pace with inflation. Right. Because if you don't do right. that, right. you're going to lose the, the spending power of your money. So if I give you, Nadine, $1,000, right. and you take that $1,000, you put it in a shoebox, you put it under your bed, you can go back, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 20 years from now, you still have that $1,000, but can you buy $1,000 worth of goods with that? You cannot. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Inflation. Inflation. That's a huge part of the conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So people need to be mindful. And there are a lot of very conservative things you Mm -hmm. can invest in. Mm -hmm. So you may not make a lot of money, but at least you won't lose the value of your Mm. money. And that's so important. Investing. Valuable points. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because there's a guest that I had on my show, mm-hmm. uh, Jamila Souffrant. Yeah. She has a podcast called Journey to Launch, and she has saved, accumulated, She, you know, not a wealthy individual, but she, the decisions that she's made and the way she's been able to compound, uh, utilize compound interest on her monies on her 401k from yes. a 401k. Yes. That's yes. A, can you share a little bit about well, like First 10, of all, yes. that, that's so important because mm-hmm. I always tell people if you're working at a a company, right. a firm, yes. even a nonprofit, at educational institutions, if you work at a place where they match yes. your contributions, find out what the maximum of that match is and do your best right. to contribute up to the point where they can max they can give you the maximum match. Right. Because billions of dollars are left on the table every mm. year because people do not take advantage of company matches. Because that's free money to you. Right. So right. you can contribute if you have a four hundred one k or four three b. You can if you're under fifty years old, you can contribute nineteen thousand five hundred dollars a year in twenty twenty. That is tax free because it comes off the top and you don't pay taxes on that. If you're over fifty, you get to put another sixty five hundred in as a catch up. So that's twenty six thousand dollars. So let's assume you're over fifty years right. old. You've now put away twenty six thousand dollars a year. You put that money away, you're not paying taxes on it. That money is growing and growing and growing for you because that wonderful thing called compound, compound interest, interest, right? So when you're ready to take the money out, you will pay taxes then. But the whole idea is you'll probably be retired. You'll be in a lower tax bracket. And even though you'll be paying taxes, you'll be paying less taxes. But that money has grown for you all those years tax-free. That's right. That's right. So I strongly encourage people to do that. And if you work at a place that doesn't have a 401k or retirement plan like that, then do an IRA. Do some type of plan where your money can grow for you tax-free. Right. Thank you for these points. These are valuable. Uh, So... I know you work in a lot of initiatives with schools. What do you have in the pipeline? So um, I'm working on something because, first of all, I love teaching. I, and I, I just so. I just love that. I yeah. love to see the light bulb go off, yes. you know, when you share these concepts with people. Yeah. And I get so much positive feedback that I'm trying to figure out a way to do this more on a mass market. Okay. Uh, as opposed to, you know, one, one organization at a time. Right. So stay tuned. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I can definitely maybe see get coming. some pointers from you. You never know. <laughs> I see it coming. I see it coming. So, if you if you are a part of an organization that you're 
international or national, Marilyn is available. Well, thank you. I'm here. <laughs> as, the wealth ha- as the wealth gap widens between communities of color mm-hmm. and other demographics, what advice can you give to communities of color in particular to close the wealth gap? You know, that's, that's a, an interesting question because I've been asked that uh, question before. Uh, I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine named Ed Gordon, who is a uh, renowned journalist and yes. just wrote a book. Yes, I'm, I'm pushing his book here <laughs> of Conversations in Black. But we talked about the whole issue around um, the wealth gap yes. in the black community. And it's challenging. Because if you're talking to someone who has been, for the most part, living paycheck to paycheck, uh, you know, barely making the ends meet, you know, it's kind of hard to say, okay, now if you do these two things, you're going to close the wealth gap. Right. Because you're just trying to help them figure out how they can meet their monthly bills and try to save a little bit. And so the question becomes, well, how do you, you know, break this vicious cycle? And my answer to that is really education. Uh, And when I talk about education, sometimes it may have to be the next generation Mm. uh, that is educated, uh, that, you know, finds a a better way or earns more money and then helps to pull the family up into that next economic level. Because sometimes it's hard to break that cycle. Uh, it's, it's, it's very challenging. And so that's why, you know, when I meet young people and I talk to them and they're saying, well, you know, I don't know if I want to go to college because it costs so much. And, you know, is there is there going to be a benefit for us? I say, well, look, you got to do the cost benefit analysis here. And you have to ask yourself, you know, if I don't go to college or I don't get an education, what type of job can I get? Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm taking out the entertainment and the sports right. and things. I'm talking about the traditional jobs. Right. Um, but there are a lot of entertainers and a lot of, you know, athletes who've gone to college as well. And they all say that that was one of the best decisions they've made. But I say to them, look, if you don't do that, make a list on one side of it. What are some of the things you can do if you don't get an education? What are some of the things you can do if you get an education? And the reality is there are tons of studies that say people who have, you know, degrees, they make more money on average than people who don't. So I think that it really is a generational thing where we have to, you know, talk to our young people about trying to better themselves and then they can then help bring their families up to the next level. Right. I agree. And you know what? I I feel like uh, I just want to pause right there because I feel like some millennials might be listening and saying, oh, well, you know what? I could do a lot without getting education. And there are a lot of people out there who are very creative. But what you have to do is I think they should assess their skill set and to determine what value they would be bringing to the market to see will that substantiate our livelihood for you no, and, absolutely. And, and future generations. Absolutely. Because because I think you just hit on something very important. There is no cookie cutter answer right. to most things in life. Yes. And it really is about what is best for you. Yes. So, you know, don't get caught up in the whole wave of where everybody's saying, right. I don't need to spend all that money to get a degree because I'm not going to get a job. No, what is best for you? Thank you. And if at the end of the day, the best decision for you is to do something else, then you have to have conviction and follow through and do that. Thank you for that. That's what I've been trying to say this whole time. <laughs> we, we got there. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Thank you. In this day and age of social media, many people feel that, especially the Gen Y and millennials, uh, don't understand the work ethic successful businesswomen have behind social media. Uh, social media portrays one thing. However, in real mm-hmm. life, as I say all the time, perception is not always reality. In real life, uh, there's a different, it's a different ballgame. What advice can you share with the audience that allows them to take a glimpse of a strong work ethic and principles mm-hmm. they should implement in their daily routine? Oh, that's a mouthful. Oh, sorry. So, so, I know so you got it though. Let me break that one down for you. <laughs> Please, okay, so, so first of all, I'm, I'm going to start by saying that um, 
In terms of, I have been fortunate to work with a lot of millennials yeah. and is it Gen Y or is it Gen Ys, however yes. we want to pronounce that. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot who are, a lot of them who are mentees. And I think they kind of get a bad rap mm. when it comes to their work ethic. Because, you know, the older generations, or not say the more mature generations, not older, more mature <laughs> generations tend to say, oh, well, they don't want to work as hard. You know, they don't want to do, do all these different things. Right. And I don't think that is they don't want to work hard. I think that they just do things differently okay. than we did things. Okay. And different isn't bad. Right. Different is different. And yes. it's probably not uh, that off, far off the mark than what our parents used to say about us. When we were coming along. So that's how I approach them. I mean, they have a way of looking at things and, and solving problems where they get from point A to point B much faster than mm-hmm. we do. Because most of them were born with smart smartphones right. or in their cribs. Right. So the world right. is different for them. So they view the world differently. So I you know so I don't fall into the category of saying, oh, they don't want to work as hard. I accept that they want to work differently. Okay. Um, they have a a deeper appreciation for work-life balance than I know my generation, than I have, than my generation. Now, I tried. We all try, but I think they kind of sort of get it because at the end of the day, life is short. And you just never know, you know, what the next day brings. And right. I think they have a deeper appreciation for that, and that's how they approach what they do. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. I actually appreciate what you just stated because, um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever really heard anyone frame it that way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because for the most part. But, again, you, mm-hmm. there, there is a percentage of the millennials that mm-hmm. do, again, think that things are just a whole lot easier or things are not as, as you can agree yeah. and attest mm-hmm. that. Things are not easy yeah. behind the scenes, yeah. especially when you're in, in the caliber as yourself. You're in a uh, uh, a C-suite level. Yeah, uh, it's not easy. Yeah. So, and 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 like you said, the work-life mm-hmm. balance. Mm-hmm. However, it took a lot for you to get to where you are. Yes, and a lot of times I feel like they just don't understand that. They think I, that it just yeah yeah I don't know snap of a finger. Yeah, I think that they are very impatient. Is what it is, uh, and they want. And again, this goes back to how they were raised. Okay. I mean, they are in the information age. Agreed. Look, I remember, and I'm going to date myself a little bit, <laughs> having to look in an encyclopedia. You know, when I want, they don't even. My kids don't even know what an encyclopedia is. Britannica. Okay, exactly. They don't even world book. Okay, they don't even know what that is. Right. They are used to picking up a device, punching a few things, and boom, the answer comes up to them. Right. Whereas I had to go get a book and look right. it and look at it and go through the index and find out what page to go to and all right. that crazy stuff. They they are not in that age, so they want it right away. Right. So that's one of the things that I've noticed, and I appreciate why they are the way they are like that. Okay. Um, but that being said, like I say, I have, I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time with them and they just work differently, okay. but they do want it quickly and they yes. want it fast and yes. they don't, they won't sit around like other generations and wait for something to happen. Okay. If they're, you know, in a job and yes. they think they should be moving up and they're not moving up quickly, then they're bouncing. They're going yes. someplace else because yes. again, they, that they're in that I want it now. I need it now. Why don't I have it now? So again, it's different. And I think that if organizations don't adapt to the way they, because we're not going to change the way they think. It just is what it is. Like right. our parents couldn't change the way we think and we operate. Right. So if you want to capitalize on that energy and that spirit that they bring mm-hmm. to the game, there has to be some adaptation to the way they view the world. That's very, 
you're you're bringing some very interesting and valid points. I'm, I'm really like rethinking the way I, yeah, I look at them yeah. now. <laughs> and I work with, a, I, tell me, I work with right. a lot of them, you know, and right. I spend time with, you know, a number of young people who are in the music industry and, you right. know, they're in the studios and I'm sitting there with my eyes about to close <laughs> at two or three or four o'clock in the morning. Right. Uh, and, and they're, they're going at it. Yeah. So they are working. I but can't keep up with you. You're talking about them. I can't <laughs> yeah. keep up with I'm you. Saying, okay, where's my toothpick to keep my eyes open? But they're, they're going at it because mm-hmm. that's, that's how they do things. Right. And I think that we have to have a deeper appreciation yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, valid point. You, you, mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I think agree. I answered most of the questions. Yeah. You answered all of them. In terms of that. But, you know, but, but again, it's been, I've spent a lot of time advising and counseling because I have a lot of mentees. Right. And I tell them, you know, there, there's kind of a few standard things that I always tell people. I say, look, first of all, you know, you are living in a phenomenal, you know, time. Right. Information is at your fingertips. Right. Things are a lot, uh, happen a lot faster, a lot quicker. Right. Processes have been streamlined. That's true. Uh, you know, but don't be afraid to get out there and take risks and do things. Don't be afraid to, like you said, you know, the secrets of the sale. Don't be afraid to ask. Right. Don't be afraid of failure because right. failure is what? Experience. That's right. And part of success. And part of success. Yes. Exactly right. So yes. You learn from that. Right. So don't be afraid to get out there and take mm. those risks. But, you know, then they're, they're crazy risks and they're calculated risks. So I talk about taking the calculated risks that makes sense. You know, I talk about integrity. I talk about, you know, ethics. I talk about striving for excellence. And these are all things that they they take to heart. I love that. I love those tips. So just, I know this is offline, but um, how how do you manage a work-life balance? Because you're literally, I don't know, I just... You know, I don't yeah. know. I just really don't know how you do it. Again, social media portrays yeah. one thing. Yes. And I know behind, you have a lot of meetings in between your, your, there's your, a lot of, uh, I your, do a lot of work. There's yes, a lot of work yes. there. Yeah. How do you do it? You know, it's, it's, uh, I get that question a lot too. I, I'm a single mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three kids. Yes. My oldest son graduated. He's a musician. Yeah. And my two, uh, other kids are at Harvard. My daughter's a senior. She's graduating in May. And my youngest Already? son's a sophomore. Yeah, I know. That, that one by it quick. flew by. Yes. It flew by. I remember what you, okay. Yeah. And my youngest son's a sophomore at Harvard. Nice. Um, and I think the way I make it work yes. is we really are a unit. I mean, we, we have a group chat on text. Okay. We keep each other in the loop on everything that's going on. Good. Everybody pitches in, Good. you know, and helps out. You know, like, you know, my daughter had a doctor's appointment this morning. I had to come in to talk to you. So my other son took her, Aww. went with her to the doctor. So, I mean, it's things like yes. that. You have to have a support system. Right. And outside of my kids, I have, you know, some of the best friends on the planet. I have a village. And mm-hmm. I say all the time that there's no way yeah. that I could do what I do without my village of girlfriends. I because I grew up in Chicago and all my family's in Chicago. I have no family, you know, on the East Coast. So I spend a lot a lot of time between New York and LA. Right. And my village, you know, in New York and my village in LA is the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and that I've seen. Yeah, yeah, I could not make yeah. it without them. So I think it's I so it. important that whatever you do, even if you're not a single mom, right. if you you know if you have a partner, uh, you have to find support systems. Yes. And you know, yes. again, going back to what I said earlier, none of this stuff is cookie cutter. It's about what works best for you. Yes. Uh, you know, if I can take my kids with me when I travel, if they're not in school, I take my kids with me because not only does it give me quality time with them, but it also exposes to exposes them right. to other things that right. they could be thinking about in terms of what they want to do in life. It's about the experiences. I love it. I love it. But yeah. and I, but you you created some 
you no, sorry, you, know, you literally just dropped some major jewels here, and I'm so appreciative of that. Um, you have even reshaped the way I I think about certain things. Right Success. here, <laughs> mission accomplished. I think that's I. You are super awesome. I'm elated that I was able to. We were able to honor yes. you at uh, Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning. Thank um, you. In, in last year, and uh, I. I wish you all the success. I think you are awesome. I can't wait mm-hmm. to see what you're going to be doing next. And um, Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff on the horizon. But I just want to thank you yes. as well, uh, Nadine, for bringing me in to talk to oh. me. You have been such a good friend, a good supporter. Uh, and with the whole Jamaica Center, I really appreciate that. And you always have such positive uh, words of encouragement. That's important because, you know, in this crazy world that we're living in now where yeah. people are always trying to tear each other down, we need positivity. Agreed. And you radiate that. And I Aww. appreciate what you do for me and everyone else. So thank you. You. Oh my God! Th- that was. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marilyn. You were so sweet. Uh, it- it's so funny how we met. We mm-hmm. met in LA. Yes. And we were connected in New York. Yes. And then uh, I don't know if I mentioned to you there was a story quickly. Uh, I went to <laughs> I went to LA. I went to an event, and I was at the makeup store. Okay. And literally, <laughs> we're having a conversation. We're yes. Dia- dia- a dialogue, and they're like, "Oh, you live in New York? Okay." Uh, you remind me of someone who comes here all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what behooved me to mention your name. Yes. And they were like, that's her, Marilyn yes. Booker. She's here all the time. Yes. Like, but out of all yes. the people in L.A. Mm-hmm. and in New that. York, how does that yes. happen? I've heard that story. I've heard people have said to me, I went to the makeup store to get my makeup done. They, and I told them I was from New York. They said, do you know Marilyn Booker? I'm like, it's a small world, which is another thing when I'm talking to our young folks, right. I tell them, right. it seems like a big world, but it's right. really not. Right. You're once, twice, maybe thrice removed. Right. Maybe. But typically once or twice. So you have to be very mindful yes. of what you do right. and how you behave and the reputation you're setting for yourself because it really just takes one phone call mm. for somebody to figure out one conversation. So be mindful of yes. that. Yes, yes. You know yes. what? That's important that you just you just literally laid some facts. Yeah. People don't understand. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what, se- what field you're in, matter. what sector. It's just yeah. like you mm-hmm. never know who knows who. I learned that very very yeah. early on. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, I'll share it with you mm-hmm. online. But no, yeah. that was a good point you just made. Exactly. So, <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into Secrets of the Sale. I appreciate all of my guests and, and Marilyn, again, you're amazing. And I appreciate all your feedback. If you have any questions, if you have any um, anything you want to recommend to the podcast, feel free to send me an email at jmorealty at gmail.com. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, feel free to reach out to me. Again, jmorealty at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. And you can find this on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and all other um, podcast platforms. Thank you. Bye-bye.